0: What's up? I'm Ben Hale and this is the Easy Living Yards podcast. Creating a beautiful yard should be easy. Let's jump in and create the dream yard you deserve so you can enjoy more time doing what you love. Welcome to episode 78 of the Easy Living Yards podcast. Today we are going to be talking about easy DIY landscaping. And today I'm very excited to bring a guest onto the show today. We are bringing on Amy Fedele from PrettyPurpleDoor.com. Amy has a wonderful blog over at PrettyPurpleDoor.com and she covers all topics DIY landscaping to really help you create a beautiful landscape as well. So she has some awesome courses over there that we'll talk about today as well as tons and tons of free blog articles that really help you create a beautiful landscape just like we talk about here on the show. So I really wanted to bring Amy onto the show today to pick her brain and to really have her talk Specifically about colors and textures, and how how to create a beautiful looking landscape. uh, You know, to get things that come together to look like a very artful and beautiful landscape. And Amy has a, as we'll talk about, Amy has a background in graphic design, so she's really got that wonderful artistic um, style and taste that I don't always have to bring to the show with my design work as well. So um, I wanted to bring Amy onto the show to really uh, take that expertise and that background she has and see how she she uh, implements it into beautiful landscapes. So without more, uh, let's talk with Amy and bring her onto the show. Hey, guys, I'd love to welcome to the show Amy Fidelli from PrettyPurpleDoor.com. So I have Amy on the show today to talk to us about DIY landscaping and how she approaches the whole DIY landscaping process as well. So Amy, welcome to the show.
1: Uh, Thanks for having me, Ben. I'm really excited.
0: So I'd love to learn uh, before we jump in, you've been featured on several awesome websites with uh, various articles from your blog. So you mainly have a bunch of really helpful informational blog posts and, um, Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Like How how did you get into DIY and why into landscaping specifically?
1: Okay. Well, my blog, I think, originally started in, back in 2012. I bought my first house in uh, January. And I'm a graphic designer and a website designer by profession. So, the logical thing for me to do to document the first year where I had a lot of DIY projects going on was just a blog so I can date everything and then sort of like reference back. And, uh, yeah, so the first year I just, I was just kind of documenting my life more so for my own purposes. And then it sort of evolved into this, a uh, little bit of a, a kind of a cool thing where people were actually started writing me. And I was like, how are you finding like my personal, like, journey, but people were finding me online and and writing me and telling me how helpful things were. So it just sort of grew from there. And after the first year or so, when I had finished the fixer-upper type projects of my house, um, I started to really get into gardening after that. And I think my blog is just sort of evolving with, you know, my own personal interests and tastes and things like that. So it's, it's a lot more about landscape gardening now than it was in the beginning. But, you know, that's how things go, I think.
0: Okay, it's funny how, uh, you know, you kind of take a circuitous path, I guess. So for me, I have a background in microbiology, of all things. <laughs> and, um, and here I am, uh, really passionate in, in landscape design, and, and that's where it take, took me as well. So that's fun. And at least with your, your background in graphic design, I'm sure that helps with your design styles and tastes.
1: Yeah, you know, I never really thought about it. I kind of sucked at gardening. I always tell people that I used to suck at gardening. And um, I didn't really understand gardening in the way that I do now, where I kind of thought it was just a hobby for like, retired people. And let's just get some plants in. And I had my uh, sister in law help me a lot in the beginning with sort of choosing the, the main plants of my landscape. But after they started to grow and I started to see the colors emerge and just sort of how things were playing off of one another, I realized like how connected landscaping and this gardening is with with graphic design and the same principles that you use in graphic design to make something look balanced and cohesive and make sure the colors are appealing. Um, They really, it all plays a part into landscaping as well. So that's, it's a really interesting connection that I didn't make at first, but now Now that's definitely, you know, what I use to, to make everything look nice.
0: Okay. That's really cool. Um, so I have to ask, since I have you on the show, I've, (laughs) I've read some really interesting articles on your blog, uh, some about pennies, one about, (laughs) one about an eagle. So, uh, and also one about, uh, Van Gogh's starry night. I'd love to hear if you could share some of those stories.
1: Oh yeah, well um, the the eagle is interesting. Um, When I bought my house, it was it was a total fixer upper. I mean, there wasn't even like a railing. The railing was like tipped over in the front. They couldn't even stand that up (laughs) for
0: like the our our front porch was missing a pillar. (laughs) Yeah, it
1: was it was it was kind of ridiculous. And there was like this dilapidated shed on the side of my house um, at the end of the driveway, and it had this giant like bald eagle metal statue thing like coming out of it and uh you know my dad and i he climbed up there and uh, took it down for me and we were celebrating like the day the eagle died (laughs) because the house is finally turning into something a little bit um, more normal (laughs) and not so like dingy and dark so i have pictures on my blog of like my father like with his arms out looking like an eagle and we're taking pictures (laughs) and sort of just celebrating the fact that we're improving the house and making it a little bit more like its own. Um, So the penny floor is is also an interesting take because I am a designer and I am sort of a creative. And I think my father never really understood that either, but I was going to put a foyer in. So he's like, okay, we'll go to Home Depot or something, pick out some tile. And I was like, no, actually, I was thinking about putting pennies on the floor because I love copper. And he's like, you know, you're crazy, but okay. So I just started documenting the process because there, like, clearly there, there wasn't a lot of information out there about how to actually tile a floor with a material that isn't necessarily a tile. So after I documented that process, um, a lot of people started using um, that to make their own penny floors. So now I have, <laughs> I must have like 50 or so submissions of people that have made their own penny floors uh, just from that single post that I did a long time ago. So
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting. Even I think last week I just got two more submissions, so people are still using that information, even though it's it's been years since I posted that. But it's kind of cool to see you know, just one small thing that you do and then other people are able to use that to make. And their projects are way better than my original <laughs> four, so it's kind of neat.
0: Okay, and uh, so when you did that project, how, how how's it holding up over time?
1: Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, it's, it's wearing, but I like the way that the copper is wearing. So a lot of people ask that, but yeah, it's, it's totally fine. And okay. it's right in the front of my house. So I walk on it every day and, and it's great. Yeah.
0: That's so fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and then you also, so the other cool thing was Van Gogh's Starry Night.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's on the, the Eagle Shed as well. So oh, it is okay. Yeah, so I had an old, old piece of fence in the backyard that was sort of like um, a privacy wall between my neighbors and like my house. And it was it was falling down, so I had planted a row of like arborvitae, like green emerald, and uh I didn't really need that dilapidated fence anymore. So we ripped it out and it was like laying in the yard for quite a while and I was like I don't really want to throw it away, like maybe there's something I can do with it. So I ended up just reinforcing it and then uh, turning it into a, a giant canvas where I could paint a mural to kind of disguise, again, the the eagle shed. So, <laughs> yeah, so I just recorded a video of how I was painting that and just sort of trying to help people along. Anytime I do a project at the house, I try to um, think about it in a way that uh, how could I help somebody else to do this if they want to try something similar? So that was like just another example of that. But
0: That's you know. so, It's so cool. I um I watched the video of you doing that. And um, and for you guys listening, she makes it look so easy just to paint, just to recreate Starry Night on this giant fence board.
1: I think you yeah. should try it, and we'll have to record you and see what, see how
0: you do. Oh, it, it would <laughs> it would look more like a Picasso than than a Van Gogh. <laughs> well, that's okay. <laughs> um, okay, that's so awesome. And so it seems like you've just kind of jumped in. I don't know just jumped right into all this diy stuff Mm -hmm. and maybe you got it from your your dad a little bit growing up or your family um so i i get a lot of listeners telling me how much they're just completely overwhelmed with their landscape and don't know where to start so those are a lot of the questions i get so do you have any kind of tips or pointers or maybe just kind of sharing your own story of like how did you just kind of just jump right into this disaster of a house to (laughs) to turn it into something beautiful?
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, I get that question a lot too, is just the, the complete overwhelm that comes with having so many projects to do. So, um, I grew up around DIY. I mean, my dad was always doing projects. And I think when you, when you end up buying a house, you sort of realize how difficult it is to get people to come and help you with work, <laughs> like to hire a contractor. A lot of times you call and they don't show up or you're waiting, waiting. And it, eventually you just get so impatient that you're like, well, whatever, I'm just going to do it myself. And that's kind of how my skills have built over time. And I think my parents as well, it was the same thing where trying to find somebody to come help you and then you couldn't. So you just sort of dove right in head first. But I think the the main takeaway of that is more like just starting with one project and deciding on one thing first is really helpful. Um, for a landscape, what I what I usually recommend is to take some pictures. And it sounds silly, but when you take a photo, then it's frozen in time. It's not something that you're walking around like you tend to walk around and look at your garden and look at your space but if you take a photo and it's like a static image um, you tend to see things a little bit differently so I always say take photos of like you know four or six foot areas of your garden and then what you can do is either photocopy those or turn them to black and white. And that sort of eliminates a lot of the distractions, maybe the dog's barking or your motion as you're walking or even the color um, that can really mess with your mind when you're trying to figure out exactly what's not working in your garden. so the black and white photos are really helpful for that
0: okay that's some really interesting tips so So if I can recount that it's focus on one thing at a time and then also when it comes to your landscape, uh, try and photograph things so you can, can kind of stop it in time and, and actually step back and kind of take a look at it
1: yeah definitely and, okay. and then it's a smaller area as well so like four to six foot shot instead okay. of trying to, to tackle your entire landscape at once it's again it's starting with let's start with the area that's right by the house so let's start with the entryway by the sidewalk and and then okay. you you don't have to it's not as overwhelming because you're just dealing with the smaller space so i think that's really helpful actually
0: Okay. That's really helpful. Um, so that's interesting. And also your story about DIY kind of hits home for me because we our, our house right now is it started out as a project house as well. It just, uh, okay. as, as we're recording this, our first floor bathroom is stripped down to the bare floor and the, <laughs> the, the not quite the studs, but, um, there's some holes in the drywall and, um, it's because we, our kids are gone for the weekend and we had a gap and we decided to tear it apart. So, um, it's still in progress and I'm um, sure
1: it'll take you a lot longer
0: (laughs) than you ever anticipated. Right. Exactly. Bathrooms are tough, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great tip just from our experience as well of just, you know, start with one thing, focus on that one thing, get a small victory as well. I I like that. And, um, Mm And I like the tip you have of just focusing on a small space in your landscape as well, because landscapes especially can just be overwhelming because they're they can. I mean, even a small plot. If you live on a tenth acre plot, it's kind of overwhelming to think about that whole space when you're used to you know a a ten foot by ten foot room or, or. uh, whatever. So um,
1: yeah, and really another helpful. thing that's uh, that's really helpful too is uh, to, to sort of think about it how you would design your own house. I know a lot of people watch HGTV and and they're really into this like home decor styling. So. You know, a lot of those same things you can kind of bring outside too. So it, the same way you would decorate like a gallery wall in your living room, like start to bring some of those features outside and think about the colors that you use in the house or even colors that you wear like in clothing and then uh, take take what you like already and that you're what you're already using in your home and, and then bring that outside. Um, I think there's like a huge disconnect for a lot of people when they're starting because they don't know anything about plants, so they don't know what to do and they don't know their style, but you already have a style, so you just have to kind of channel that and move it outside with you, you know?
0: Okay, that's that's really interesting. I haven't necessarily thought about that way, so that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually a, a great point. That This is your, your graphic designer coming out as, <laughs> as, opposed, as opposed to my biologist. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I could certainly use some of these tips as well. Um, so let's kind of talk about you you like to talk about um creating beautiful gardens that are beautiful year round mm-hmm. that right that's a big thing is is you know we might go to the garden center and and pick up this beautiful petunia that's in bloom or whatever, and then we go put it in our landscape, but then after a few weeks, it might be done and and then we kind of are left with a bare spot again. So do you have some tips that we could talk about um, in creating? I mean, we could create, you know, we could talk probably for a couple of shows on year round gardening and, and keeping interest. But what are some maybe some tips you have that help with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's the most one of the most common problems that I see. Um, people write me or will talk and they'll say, you know, my garden looked great like two weeks ago. (laughs) Now it doesn't look great at all. There's nothing blooming and I want more color and I want more interest. And I think what they're really saying at that point, most people will say they want tons of color, but I don't think that's necessarily true. They just want like color all the time, like to be consistently blooming throughout the year. So yeah, I mean, if you go to the garden center, um, they only, they have a limited amount of space for Uh, You know plants so they're only gonna really be featuring things that are blooming in that particular season So a really easy way to get around this problem is to just shop more I mean, obviously you need a, a plan and sort of an idea before you get started But if you go to the garden center in early spring and then again late spring And then take another trip in summer and then in fall if you have a plan and like a color scheme in place Um, you can pick the plants that are blooming in the garden center at that time. Each time that you shop, you just have to strategically be planning and know what you're really looking for when you go. But, you know, instead of saying, I don't know um, what the names of the plants are. I don't understand it. um, I think that's an easier way to go about it. Just say, pick one color. I like purple. So I'm going to use purple and then go to the garden center in every season and Find some purple things that are that are interesting to you, and that way you're going to have color the entire year, except winter, obviously, which is a whole different story. But you know, if you live in an area like I'm in northeast PA, so you know it's snowy and <laughs> terrible. Everything dies in the <laughs> winter, so uh, winter's a different topic. But yeah,
0: okay, yeah, yeah, that gets a bit tougher there. Yeah, <laughs> at, least, at least with color, right? So yeah, um, okay, and and so. Do you have like a, um, so, okay, you go to the garden center, you just kind of swing through and you look for things that maybe have the color you like, and you just kind of write down the, the name that's on the plant tag. So you can kind of remember it or or take a picture or whatever. Um, And then beyond that, um, as far as getting into your landscape, do you have like a specific, like where do you put these in your landscape or how do you go through that process?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely you have to have a plan. So I sell um, these garden planning worksheets on my on my website, and I'm in the process of working on a course, too, for four-season gardening. So through the course, I, I I kind of go over how this all comes into play. But basically, you should start with um, a color that you like and a season that you're going to focus on. So say summer, pick a plant that you really like, like a, a salvia or something like that, And uh, that's going to be sort of like your anchor. And what you have to do is look at that salvia and look at the foliage of that and the size of it and the shape of it, and then try to pick plants to surround that plant that have different shapes and sizes and textures. So you're really building around a central theme. You know what I mean?
0: Okay. Okay. So, okay. So if you like salvia, then you, you kind of plan that as your core area and then you have other supporting plants that kind of help it out through the rest of the year where it maybe doesn't look quite as great.
1: Right, right. So a salvia will bloom. It's a smaller plant, you know, maybe 24 inches high and wide. So you might need something behind that, like an evergreen. So you're going to start to pull in these other plants that are going to support that plant the evergreen behind the salvia is going to help in multiple ways. Like uh, it's going to give interest in the winter time because the leaves are going to stay. And it's also going to create like a nice backdrop for that plant so that it's not competing with like the siding of your house or the brick or the stone behind it. You know, it'll have a nice solid color behind
0: it. Okay. Okay. That's helpful. And Mm -hmm. so that's kind of, so that evergreen also, so it provides year round, some sort of anchoring color I guess a little bit too Um, Mm -hmm. especially in the winter Um, and what about texture plants so we talked a lot about color and that's not the only element that we should think about in our landscape right
1: no definitely not I mean I love texture it's one of my favorite topics so you'll have to probably stop me so I don't (laughs) go over in time but uh yeah so there's two different types of texture that I like to think about there's Uh, visual texture and then there's tactical texture. Okay. And the visual texture is sort of like the overall appearance of a plant, like the, the overall shape or feeling that it gives. So a couple examples of like a visual texture would be like a coarse texture, a medium texture, or like a fine texture. So just picture a walnut and like chopping it like really roughly and that's a coarse texture. And then if you chop it really, really, really down, that's like more fine. So if you can kind of put your plants into these types of categories, coarse, medium, and fine, that's the overall texture. And if we go back to where I said take a photo, you're going to be able to tell in the photo when you turn everything to black and white because you're not going to have color in your way. So if you turn everything to black and white and all you see is a big blob, like everything sort of blends together because you don't have that color to like guide you. That means that you have a texture problem. So you have to start to think about, okay, everything here is like a medium texture. Is there something like more coarse or bigger leafed or, you know, maybe prickly, like an evergreen, like you kind of have to pop in these, uh, opposite textures in between the things that are blobbing together for lack of a better term but
0: so are you talking mostly about like the the size of the plant or the size of its foliage when you yeah i mean
1: it can be both like it could be size size and shape could be one thing but it's also the the foliage size like the leaf size is is a big thing but when you turn it to black and white you'll see everything is blobbing together so maybe you need like a good example is like a boxwood. So a boxwood, an evergreen shrub, it's got a really like small leaf. It's, it's a fine texture, I'd say. So you want to put something next to that boxwood that would be opposite of that. Maybe like a, a rhododendron bush. It has a really big leaf. It's like a different feeling. Even though they're both evergreen, they have different size of uh, the foliage inside of it. So...
0: Okay, so that's a great example. So basically, if I'm trying to picture that in black and white, mm-hmm. I can see how how the the fine texture of the boxwood also kind of gives it a dense form mm-hmm. and, and then it's a more consistent pattern I guess on the on the boxwood, and then the rhododendron behind it has bigger leaves so that it has more shadows and such. and so it it kind of you have more variation in like the the um, the plant itself. Is that exactly. kind of making sense?
1: Yeah, and I have okay. a I have a blog post about this, so maybe we can link to that in the show notes, just so people can see some examples. I think it's hard on a podcast, but maybe some photos to go along with it would be helpful.
0: Yeah, that would be great. That's that's great.
1: Um, so that's the 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 visual texture, and then there's also tactical texture, which is like kind of interesting. I call this like um, a garden that you kind of reach out and you have to touch it.
0: <laughs> okay. So
1: that's just sort of the the little moments in your garden where you can create um you know, some feeling where people might want to reach down and like, oh, what is that plant? It's got a really interesting feel. Uh, my favorite plant to use as an example is like a lambs ear because okay. the, the leaves are almost like a like a furry. Like they look like they have a fur coat on or something. I can't <laughs> resist. Like I have to reach out and just sort of touch that. So you're creating these moments where people are actually like experiencing your garden, not just looking through it, you know?
0: Okay. Yeah. That's exactly what I pictured when you were saying it makes you want to touch it as I pictured a lamb's ear. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: so do you have other examples too? So a lamb's ear for for anyone who's listening that doesn't know, it's like this little, it, it, the leaves actually look like the ear of a lamb and then it's also fuzzy. So it's really soft to touch and they grow maybe usually with when they're not flowering, they grow kind of like a ground cover almost. So they grow about six inches high and kind of fill in a bed. So Are there other like would grasses kind of fall in that too? Then
1: yeah, absolutely. Like a blue fescue grass is kind of a cool texture. It's like a little mound, but it's like spiky. You know, it's got these little shoots. It's almost like it looks like it's going to hurt you, (laughs) but if you touch it, it's soft like a grass. You know.
0: Okay. Okay, that's really helpful. Okay, and you know, I haven't really thought about from that specific angle of of the tactical texture. So that's really cool. I've Mm kind of more thought about, in a broader sense, like the experiential piece of the landscape. So getting that sensory um, expansion from your design. This is kind of beyond the 100-level stuff. But, yeah, thinking about the sounds or movement through your landscape and and touch, too, is a really important piece of that. Or
1: smell. I mean, there's all different senses that you could use to bring people into your garden. So, yeah, it's just one one little tactic that you can use, but all of them I think are important and kind of cool in their own, in their own way.
0: Okay. That's super fun. So we're going to have to wrap up here pretty soon, but before that uh, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Do you have, (laughs) do you have like a crazy disaster story that um, just things just didn't work out or something that you have to share potentially?
1: A disaster in the garden or in the (laughs) house or you pick. (laughs) Um, yeah. I mean, I guess I have a lot. Um,
0: <laughs> well, that's <laughs> it's hard, great. It's actually. hard to
1: pick just one. I mean, those, these things happen all the time. I think the the biggest, the biggest garden mistakes I've made, I think are choosing plants that like just are way too big for the space. Or at one point I planted something way too close to um, my shed, my Eagle shed again. <laughs> and it actually grew and like block the doorway. And, and then it was like a, it was a disaster to get the plant out. And I just really didn't think about it. I mean, these things happen. It wasn't the end of the world, but I, I thought I knew what I was doing when I had planted it. And then it, it was, I couldn't get into my shed the one day and I was like, oh no, what do I do now? So I like to tell people that, you know, you're going to make mistakes and uh, it's, you're never going to be done, whether it's a DIY project or Um, Your garden, it's always evolving. There's things that are going to die and you're going to have to fill in and replant or you're going to make a mistake in where you put something. But all of it's changeable and it's movable. I think that a lot of people think when they put a plant in, it's forever and it's going to stay there forever. But it's not necessarily the case. You can always take that plant um and transplant it and move it to a better location and just sort of fix your mistakes as you go. And that's how we learn. If you're not making mistakes, you're not growing, you know? So
0: <laughs> that is so awesome. Thanks for sharing that. That's that's great. I've made plenty of mistakes as well. It's kind of funny. Here we are, we both talk about DIY landscaping. And <laughs> and really the way you learn is just by doing and, and making those mistakes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's the most valuable piece. So that's really helpful for sharing. Thank you. Yeah. Um Okay. So we've talked about a lot of awesome stuff here. You have a ton of awesome information over at your site as well. You sent me your, you have a free download uh, to offer. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, If you head over to my website, prettypurpledoor.com slash E-L-Y for easy living yards, um, you can check out, I'll put the links in here that we talked about too, but I have a plant pairing guide and this covers um, just some of my favorite combinations of plants that have really different uh, contrast and we'll look really good together. So I think that'll help you and get your wheels spinning and, and thinking about how you can do this in your own garden. So, uh, yeah, you can get that at com slash ELY.
0: Okay. And then if people want more as well, um, do you have any sort of products or services that you offer?
1: Um, yeah, definitely. I have, uh, like I said, I have those, uh, garden planning worksheets. I also have diy like project planning worksheets which are more of a a broader when you're starting a project you know uh gathering the materials that you need and planning for that and right now i'm working on a course for uh this four season garden design so if you if you head over to that link i'll have i'll have information about that and you can be one of the first people to to know when it goes live it should be soon
0: that's so awesome thanks amy this has been so fun i really did like your um your plant pairing guide, uh, Mm -hmm. that it looks really great where it, especially what we talked about today with color pairing and texture, it really has a lot of good visual examples for that. So thank you for sharing.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I I really enjoyed it.
0: Amy, it's been such a pleasure. Take care. (laughs) Take care. All right, guys, that was awesome. I'm so glad to have had Amy come by the show. So thank you, Amy, for coming to the show. Uh, we talked about tons of links, so make sure you go to prettypurpledoor.com slash E-L-Y where she has all those giveaways and those links we talked about in today's show. Likewise, you can navigate there from today's show notes. I have that link in today's show notes over at E-L-Y dot H-O-W slash episode seventy eight seven eight. So go on, check out that link. Likewise, you can always ask me a question uh, if you go to E-L-Y dot how slash pod. That's E-L-Y dot H-O-W slash P-O-D. And you can right at the top of the page, there's a button to ask me a question. So if you have a question that's burning uh, that you want to ask me about your landscape, uh, you know, whatever you're working on right now, that's a, just a quick, easy option to ask me a question and get in touch with me. Guys, thanks for listening to today's show. Likewise, if you like the show and you want to hear more great tips on DIY landscaping, make sure you hit that subscribe button in your podcast app to subscribe to the show and to listen to more awesome episodes. Thanks, Amy, again for coming on the show. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today.